Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football is back in full swing, and even though you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is the online casino as well that never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. Hey, former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Lebertard Show Suey winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 140 of the Hog Talk Podcast alongside Porter Hayes. My name is Kyle Sutherland, and we are actually bringing you three shows this week compared to our normal two, and we're going to spend this episode previewing some Razorback basketball, also talk a little college football. And joining us on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is Fox Sports' Aaron Torres, a reoccurring guest of the show at AT. As always, pleasure speaking with you. Look forward to getting into the discussion. Fellas, pleasure is always mine talking with both of you uh, individually on the podcast, off the podcast. Uh, it's an exciting time for Razorbacks fans, man. You know, I had Coach Moss on my podcast last week, very blessed, but we spent a lot of time talking about Coach Pittman as well and what he's doing. So excited for you guys that you got a, a really exciting football team to follow. And of course, hopefully, and I think we all agree the potential is there, a, a, a very exciting basketball team as well. I want to start off with some college football. So the last time that we had had you on, I think it was in sometime in August, right around when the Pac-12 and Big Ten had announced that they weren't going to be playing football. Well, besides some canceled games and um, just uh, really, I guess they started a few weeks ago, but besides a few canceled games, that has obviously changed from the pattern that they were going to go. Are you shocked that we've made it this far? And how, how optimistic are you that we're going to make it to the finish line at the end of the season? Well, to answer your first question, you know, I don't know that I'm totally shocked because the initial decision never made sense. And Kyle, I, I vividly remember I was in the car. I'm going to sound like such a SoCal guy now, but it was, I think, late August. I was coming back from the beach and I was stuck in traffic, which is like literally the most SoCal sentence I could possibly say. Um, and I remember talking about this with you, man. And like, I, I was always one from the beginning not that we needed to play college football, but that the logic for canceling never made sense. And so I'm not totally surprised that essentially all the major conferences are back. Um, You know, my alma mater, UConn, which is an independent, unfortunately is not playing this fall, although maybe fortunate if you've watched UConn football lately, but anyway, basically everybody's back at this point is the point that I'm trying to make. And I'm not surprised because the logic never made sense. You know, kind of one of my throwaway lines that I've been saying since probably the middle of September now is credit to those uh, parents and the players in the, in the big 10, in the pac 12 for fighting for their season. And I'm happy that they're back. 
uh, to get to answer your question about the finish line, we're getting there, man. You know, every week it, it boggles my mind of, oh, can, can we really finish the season? Well, I don't know, man. I mean, Notre Dame's played like nine games at this point. Are they just going to pack it in because Tennessee has a couple positives or Mississippi State has a couple positives? Like, it does, like the logic behind are we, are we going to make it to the – yeah, we're going to make it to the finish line. And it sucks. Some teams are going to play probably four, five, six games. Some teams are probably going to play nine, 10, 11 games. It's not fair to Notre Dame. That's basically done everything right. It's not fair to Clemson. It's not fair to uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, the SEC teams that have, have fought for this season, that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have only played are, are potentially – not only have they only played or are only going to play nine games, but could play as few as five or six. It's not fair. This isn't a fair season. But, yes, we're going to get to the finish line because, you know, we've played nine or ten games. Like, like I said, just because um, – you know, uh, whoever LSU has an outbreak doesn't mean that uh, Notre Dame or Cincinnati or BYU or these teams that have been doing it the right way since the middle of July doesn't mean that they should pack it in. And I kind of want to touch on what you're saying about, you know, the Big Ten and Pac-12 coming in late. I mean, what's your take on the, the validity of them starting so late? And, you know, these other teams have already played four or five games and they're battling and, you know, then they're having to deal with their own COVID outbreaks and stuff. But how much weight do you hold to it when it comes to the committee choosing the top four teams? How tough is this going to be because you, you're going to factor in those teams that have only played half a season? Well, I think it's going to be really tough. And, you know, I will give credit to somebody kind of obscure, but Brian Kelly kind of brought this up after they beat Boston College on Saturday of like, you know, I, I hope you guys understand, like we're nine weeks into this thing. And, you know, we'll, I think they have eight or nine games under their belt. You know, I talked to Hugh Freeze today, sick, humble brag. I know uh, he's they've played eight games. They're going to play their ninth this weekend. And obviously, look, Liberty's not in the conversation for a college football playoff, but I think Brian Kelly's kind of point was like, dude, if we slip up, don't hold it against us. Our guys have been under a lot of pressure since the middle of July to do this thing right and be on the right track. And, and obviously look, you know, Notre Dame specifically, their season comes down to, can they, um, you know, what happens in that ACC championship game and can they get to that ACC championship game undefeated where if they lost, they took a loss to Clemson, it wouldn't look that bad. But to answer your question, Porter, I think the committee has a really tough job. Um, and I also think that, you know, the Big Ten and the, the Pac-12, certainly the Big Ten, I mean, you know, it sucks because I live in Pac-12 country. I know a lot of these players, these parents, these coaches, these administrators, they all, you know, want this season. They all want the next few weeks to go off without a hitch. But I think we all kind of understand it would take a lot for a Pac-12 team to qualify for that Final Four. You know, I'll, I'll go as far to say, I know a lot of people would disagree with me. I'd rather see a, a, a 11-0, 10-0 Cincinnati team get in, a, a 10-0 uh, BYU team, even if they don't have those quote-unquote Power 5 wins, in over a, a 6-0 Pac-12 team. But, you know, like, it's going to be really hard, and I feel bad for the committee, and I think it's going to be really tough. But it's going to be a real challenge because of such imbalance in the schedules where you look at Wisconsin. I mean, you know what? They might only get, what, seven games in? by, the, And this is including a potential conference championship game. It's including playing on December 19th. Ohio State is down a game, and they might be down even more depending on how everything else breaks. And so it's, un, it's an unfortunate situation 
But I would also say this is kind of the bed that was made and these teams have to lie in it. I will say like Ohio State, I think, has kind of a a not only a historic, but kind of a public relations, a PR advantage of everyone just kind of assumes that they're in. But if Wisconsin runs the table, if Northwestern runs the table, um, fill in the blank, I think it's going to be tough to justify like you guys played six, seven games. Uh, we got ACC teams that maybe only have one loss and SEC team that only has one loss playing 10, 11 games. I don't know how you can't reward those teams that have been doing things right since the beginning of the middle of July. And AT, you mentioned the top teams, Ohio State, just like everybody expected. Northwestern has quietly gotten to 4-0. Wisconsin 2-0. Maryland also pretty good at 2-1. But Indiana's been the shocker that nobody really expected to play the way that they have but the shocker in terms of being on the other side on the losing spectrum, you've got Penn State, you've got Michigan. I know that you have come out and defended Jim Harbaugh at times. Where are you at with him right now, just with, with how bad that they've played this year? Now, I know that, uh, that there's a lot of people that are calling for his head. Really, if we don't know how that's going to go down with him or James Franklin along with many other coaches because of the way that, that the pandemic has gone. But just is it time to really hit the panic button with him and, and let him go this year? Well, I can tell you definitively, like Jim Harbaugh is not going to be back at Michigan next year. And, you know, it, it's just a, a weird deal of it's kind of crazy how it worked out, actually, is that he only had one year left on his contract. And when the pandemic started, you know, for all the criticism that Jim Harbaugh takes, uh, he basically said, like, look, I don't want to uh, negotiate a contract extension in the middle of a pandemic. For people who don't know, he does not have an agent. Um, and so he does all his own negotiations. And he basically said, like, look, um, I want to do what's right for this school, for this athletic department. I don't want to eat up, you know, eight million or six million or five million or whatever a year when people are losing their jobs. Now you start one and three, and I'm not exaggerating when I say I don't think there's a guaranteed win left on their schedule. And I think now he's backed himself into a corner where I don't think he's coming back because, you know, you guys know this. We all know it is in college football. Uh, you can't coach on a one-year contract because he's not going to be able to recruit this year in the class of 2021, and he's certainly not going to be able to recruit in the class of 2022. So I have been a defender. I think two things can be true. Um, I think, look, you know, people forget about it now. Year two, he was a play away from beating Ohio State, a bad fourth down call. Uh, beat Ohio State, you go to the Big Ten championship game, you probably go to the playoff. Uh, I don't remember who won the playoff that year. That might have been the Alabama Tua. Yeah, no, that was, that was Alabama. Was, yeah, it was, it was one of those Alabama Clemson years. And, like, you probably don't win the championship, but you do what you came to do. You beat Ohio State. You probably make the college football playoff. And then if it doesn't work out from there, it doesn't work out from there. So I think two things can be true is I think that he was he, he, he did what he was brought in to do. Three 10-win seasons out of his first five, four nine-win seasons. There's a lot of programs, Texas, Miami, Florida State, Arkansas, no disrespect, you would trade your last five years for the last five years of what Michigan did, but it's going in the wrong direction. It's not going to get better. And so I, I just don't see how he comes back. And it's one of those weird contract deals where normally sometimes you're kind of stuck and you got to bring a guy back or you got to make a tough financial decision like South Carolina did. 
but there's actually probably a pretty clean break where he can get back to the NFL next season. I still think there's probably interest in him at that level, um, but I, I don't see a scenario where he's back next season, not with the way this team's playing. Well, and Aaron, somebody who covers, you know, the Big Ten fairly well, and down here, you know, it's mainly SEC. I mean, talk about the effect that the players who opted out, because I'd mentioned on the last pod that, you know, he had his top defensive player and his top receiver, I believe, you know, opt out. So, I mean, how much does that affect him? And if it is his time up, I mean, you know, who's going to fill in those shoes at, at such a traditional program like Michigan? Well, opt-outs are a real thing, man. And, you know, it, it, first of all, I give a lot of credit to the guys in the Big Ten that opted back in. You know, listen, guys, you guys know me well enough to know I love college football. I love college basketball. And I'm one of these old-school guys that thinks that the college athletic model, while not perfect, it does a lot of good for a lot of kids. And so, you know – I'm not going to lie. I took a victory lap when Rondale Moore and Rashad Bateman and Sean Wade, the corner from uh, Ohio State, and Wyatt Davis, the offensive lineman from Ohio State, opted back into the season because it proves that this BS narrative that, oh, these kids, they have it so tough and they're so exploited and life is so hard. Now, playing college football in the Big Ten or the SEC is pretty freaking sweet. Um, so, you know, not every team took advantage, you know, not every team was able to opt, have guys opt back in to your point, Porter, uh, 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 Michigan's best DB specifically, Embry Thomas opted out and you could just tell they, they, they can't cover anybody. Um, and so, you know, the opt outs really, really, really hurt, you know, as far as what's next at Michigan, that's, what's really interesting is, you know, I, I have some pretty good connections there and it is one of these programs that historically, um, it, listen, it's been a cliche for most of our lives. You know, you hire the Michigan man and it's like, it's lame, but that's how they really think there. And they've essentially run out of Michigan men to hire. You're not hiring less miles at this point. Jim Harbaugh obviously ran his course. And, you know, the guys from the glory days are, they're long gone. The glory days are a long ways away from where we are in 2020 um, you know, the names they're going to go after are Luke Fickle. I don't know if he's interested. I mean, he has Ohio State ties. Um, he turned down Michigan State. He's obviously waiting for something that he believes is better than Cincinnati. I would think Michigan is that. But, you know, in a, in a world where you have to go against Ryan Day every year, is that really a task that you want to take? I don't know. I don't know what his uh, prerogatives, initiatives are. I think Matt Campbell from Iowa State regionally – makes a lot of sense, but it's, it's a tough deal because to your point, Porter, there isn't that obvious name. And when there isn't that obvious name, I don't know what you do. I mean, listen, we're talking the day after South Carolina fired Will Muschamp. I think a lot of the guys that make sense for South Carolina don't make sense for Michigan. Uh, I told you guys, you know, I, I talked to Hugh Freeze today. I'll have him on my podcast later this week. We didn't talk about Michigan, but that doesn't seem like a natural fit. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that don't seem like natural fits. And so you start doing the math. It's like, dude, if you strike out on Luke Fickle or Matt Campbell, you could put yourself in a very uh, uh, precarious situation. And then where do you go from there? And it's the old thing with college sports, right? College sports, we know how important the coaching hires are. And it is always one of those. If you don't get the guy that you're planning on getting, it could go off the rails real quick. And I, I'm not going to lie, I am afraid that that is what is going to potentially happen at Michigan. 
And AT switching over to hoops, one of the other big subjects that you and I talked about the last time we had you on was Isaiah Joe had uh, initially announced that he was going to be coming back, and then he <laughs> he ended up going back as like literally as soon as I dropped the pot. I remember texting you that just about all the stuff that we had said about him was pretty much irrelevant. But you look at him and Mason Jones, where they're at at their draft selections right now. Depending on where you look, Mason Jones is anywhere from 39th to 59th. Now, this podcast will be dropping the day of the draft, so I wanted to bring that up. And then Isaiah is going to he's, – he's anywhere, depending on who you look at, between 28th and 36th. Now, it's very unlikely that Mason Jones gets in the first round, very unlikely that both of them go in the first. But do you think that Isaiah Joe could possibly slip into that late first round? Yeah, talking to my NBA people, excuse me, I think so. And I think it's for an obvious reason that I think you and I spoke about last time, Kyle, which is he can shoot the basketball, man. And in this era of the NBA, everybody needs scoring. And by the way, you know, not to immediately switch to Mason Jones, but it's why I think Mason Jones has value too, is like you look at a situation where you got to score like 130 points to win some of these NBA games right now. And I'm not claiming to be an NBA guru or whatever, but it's like, you know, you got to score points. You need guys that can put the ball in the basket. And so with Isaiah Joe specifically, yes, I think he can get in the first round. And I don't understand why there's not more buzz on Mason Jones. Um, Did I say Isaiah Jones? I might've said Isaiah Jones, but Isaiah Joe, Mason Jones. I I don't see why there's not more buzz on Isaiah Joe. let me backtrack. I don't see why there's not more buzz on Mason Jones because when he averaged 22 or 23 in a league like the SEC, uh, Coach Musk brought this up the other day, you know, something to the effect of he led the nation in uh, free throw attempts. He can get to the basket. I know that Mason has been working on his body since the season ended nine months ago. I hope he's working on his body. He's got nothing else to do for the last year. Um, you know, like I don't, like, I think he has value in the NBA as well. So I kind of ducked your question about Isaiah Joe. I brought them both in. I think Isaiah Joe could potentially go in the first round. And I think Mason Jones really has a lot more value than people are giving him credit for, Kyle. I really do. And looking at the SEC this year, the Razorbacks were picked by the media last week to uh, – they were going to finish sixth. And you you look at – I think a lot of Razorback fans feel that they should probably be in that top four. But – very young team. They did recruit very well. You lose Mason Jones. You lose Isaiah Joe. Do you think that that's probably pretty fair where they're at? Random question. Has any fan base ever thought that they're properly ranked or overranked? Yeah, no, no. I, I Listen, I had Arkansas fifth, um, you know, and what I would say is, first of all, the SEC is really good this year. Um, you know, Kentucky's always good. Tennessee basically returns everybody off a team that was on the bubble and brings in a top five class LSU, whatever you think about will Wade, you know, save that commentary for after I get off air here. Um, You know, they return like three really good players plus a top ranked recruiting class. Florida returns some guys. I'm not sold on Florida. I had them way lower than the rest of the media. Um, And so like, there's really good teams in this league. Um, But, you know, kind of my throwaway line, and Kyle, I think I probably said it with you when I was on in August, is, you know, you look at this team, and I know you guys watched the scrimmage on Thursday night or Wednesday night or whatever it was. I couldn't watch it, unfortunately, and I couldn't find it on replay online anywhere. So if anybody has a link, shoot it over to me. Nothing nothing spammy, nothing that's going to get me in trouble. But based on what I've seen from this roster and what I know about these guys – 
I've said it, Kyle, and I like I said, I think I said it with you in August, is I don't think there's going to be a team that physically or athletically, when they walk in the gym, they're going to be intimidated by or overwhelmed against. And I think you could say that for a few SEC teams, LSU, Alabama, obviously Kentucky, obviously Tennessee. Um, I like this roster. You guys know that I'm a, a big Vance Jackson guy. I've known Vance for a long time. Um I, I'm really excited to see the freshmen. Obviously, Moses Moody's the guy that stands out. And obviously, you know, some of the guys that were sitting out last year, J.D. Note, Connor Vanover, things like that. So I'm really excited. You know, the one thing about Coach Muss that I, I always say is he runs a competitive program. And I think obviously it will go without saying that, you know, I'm sure the coaching staff was as frustrated. Not Frustrated is the wrong word bummed out maybe that the the Isaiah Joe situation happened the way that it did where he announces he's coming back then he leaves I don't think anybody was mad at him for going to make money especially where we were at in August but I bring it up to say you know coach Moss almost runs like a football program where it's next man up okay you know Moses Moody this is your chance Vance Jackson more shots for you KK Robinson you're going to see the floor a little bit more Jalen Tate you want to play in the SEC do you got the goods or do you not? J.D. Note, you sat out last year in practice. What's the deal with you? So I think you have to look at it with a silver lining um, and you have to just say with the Isaiah Joe deal, next man up. And I do like the personnel. I think about fourth, fifth, sixth, somewhere in there feels about right for this team. But like I said, athletically and skill-wise, I don't think they're going to walk into the gym one time this year and feel like they can't compete with somebody. And Aaron, I was talking to Kyle before we, we got on air, and I was I was just thinking to myself, you know, with the youth that Arkansas has, and you know, with now they announced last week that they're only going to allow four thousand in in the Bud Walton Arena. How is that going to help the youth? Because they're used to playing, you know, in the AAU circuits and high school games, so it's not going to be a big difference for them in the AAU games and the high school games compared to what they're going to be playing when it comes time to play college basketball. A great question, Porter. You know, I'm just fascinated in general. You know, college football is a little bit different than college basketball. And that college football, you only play once a week. But we've heard so many times when we're watching these games is that these coaches are telling their players, you got to bring your own juice, man, because, you know, like, like there ain't 85,000 people that have your back today. You know, you got to bring your own juice to these games. And so – I bring that up as it pertains to college basketball because I'm just fascinated, right? You know, I, I would think that it would favor a veteran team um, like a Tennessee, even even to a degree like Arkansas that has vets where Vance Jackson and, and Jalen uh, Tate and J.D. Note can look these guys in the eye and say, I know it's Sunday. I know there's only 4,000 people in the stands. I know we're playing a road game where there's nobody in the stands but we got to treat this like it's, uh, you know, the SEC title game in Nashville or whatever. That's what I'm really fascinated by. I'm curious if it, if it helps certain teams, if it hurts certain teams. You know, I, I think about Kentucky with so many young guys where maybe really feed off the energy of Rupp Arena. You're playing, you know, Vanderbilt or Georgia on a, on a Sunday. And, it, it, you know, uh, there's not 18,000 people there to get you juiced up. So, I would just say in general, I kind of didn't really answer your question at all, Porter, so I apologize, but I'm just fascinated about that in general with college basketball this year of our teams able to bring their own energy, our teams able to, you know, three, four, five games in a row get excited if they're only playing in front of half capacity, 25% capacity, 
zero capacity, whatever, because I think that's going to be a really fascinating thing to watch this year where there's a lot of programs, Arkansas included, that really feeds off the home crowd. And it's obviously not going to be there this year in the in the kind of traditional iteration, if at all. I wanted to bring up the schedule and they had to get pretty much as, as regionally based as they could to with the way that uh, the precautions were for COVID. And I thought that they did a pretty decent job. I mean, you get North Texas, who you beat last year, but they ended up winning 20 games, won the Conference USA regular season title. Also get Tulsa on there, the AAC defending champion, won 21 games. And you also get Central Arkansas, so you get an in-state team on there. I know they're not really good, but still pretty cool little matchup there. Would you say that they did a I, – I would definitely approve considering – I would have liked to maybe have like a Memphis in there, but I would for sure approve of uh, what they were able to do considering the limitations that they had. Well, the problem with getting a Memphis in there, Kyle, it's like, you know, I'm not single anymore, but when you go to the bar, you can walk up to the girl, but she's got to reciprocate and give you your phone number. And, you know, I don't, I'm not accusing Memphis of anything, but that's a tough game for them to schedule. Um, you know, and so I, I don't know if Penny Hardaway was on board because I know Coach Musselplay, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Honestly, man, like, I think they did about as well as they could. Uh, it was really funny. I know you've, uh, Kyle, you've done a lot with ESPN radio down there in Arkansas. And I went on a few days after the schedule was announced, they asked me, you know, or what's the deal with this schedule. And I'll just tell you this and, and you guys covering college football, you know how it is. I think the goal this year in college basketball, just get in games, man, just get in as many games as you can play as many, you know, as many games as you can under the circumstances and just hope you get to March. And I hate to say it because I love, I love this sport. And I wish we got Arkansas, Louisville, and Vegas. Because not going to lie, I was thinking about going. It's a four-hour drive. Was probably going to be there. Um, but, you know, like, like it's the reality of where we are. And, you know, one of the things that's been a real struggle with these out-of-conference games is that every league has slightly different testing policies. Every league has slightly different travel and this and that. And so what Coach Muss and his, his, his staff, including Anthony Rudo, put the schedule together, you know, Coach Muss on my podcast, he said point blank, you know, we schedule every year to be an at-large team. We know the value of, um, you know, all the metrics and all that stuff. But this year it's just about how can we get games in. And the best way is if a team can get on a bus, if a team only has to travel a couple hours, oh, by the way, under ideal circumstances, if a team can get on a bus that morning, not have to stay in a hotel, it makes it that much more likely that, that you know, they're going to get to tip off, you know, knock on wood without any positive COVID cases, without the contact tracing. They're going to have enough players to feel the team. We're going to have enough players to feel the team, and we're going to rock and roll. And so, yeah, man, listen, the great one of the great parts about college basketball Izzy's out of conference games, these tournaments, the Maui Invitational, the Las Vegas deal that Arkansas was a part of. This is such a weird year, man. And like, again, I would have loved to see Arkansas play the original schedule that included Louisville, that included some other high profile games, Oklahoma, all that stuff. But it sucks, man. This is just a reality of this season where you're just trying to get in as many games as you can with as few logistical hurdles as you can. And to your point, Kyle, some of the teams that they were able to schedule, Tulsa, North Texas, et cetera, it's about as good as you can do given the circumstances. And they just announced, too, that they're going to be doing like a – try to do a bubble 
for for the NCAA tournament and try to have you know all sixty eight teams and in, in they're looking at the Indianapolis area. So you know, what is your take on that, and how do you think all that will play out? You know, in theory, I would have liked to see them wait a little bit more, but I also understand. Look, next week is Thanksgiving. The following week is. Uh, you know, December, we're going to hit Christmas and all of a sudden you can't wait all year. You can't wait forever to figure out what your logistics are. And so I do think that when you look at the situation, it's not going to feel the same. It's not going to look the same, but guess what? None of our sports are NFL. There's still stadiums with zero fans in the stands, big 10 pack 12, zero fans in the stands. Um, you know, so I would have liked to see us wait a little bit longer, but I also understand the deal of you can't wait forever. You got to get in this NCAA tournament. And I think this is kind of the best deal considering the circumstances. So it is what it is. I have no strong opinion about it. This is probably where we were headed all along. Um, It's stated and overstated, but it's true. We got to get an NCAA tournament this year. The fact that we missed it last year, college basketball is still the only sport that I'm aware of. Um, that canceled its championship event, I guess, you know, other college sports too, college baseball, college world series, whatever, but there weren't very many. Um, so we got to get in a tournament. Could we have waited till January 1st? I don't know the logistics behind it. My hunch says yes, but I'm not going to like flip a, you know, whatever, because they decided to announce it on uh, November 18th here, November 16th, whatever it is. Lati, great stuff as always, my man. And I, I've got to ask you too. Uh, I mean, how is how is it out in LA? I mean, I know it's always great in LA, but in terms of being kind of locked down, are you able to get around a little bit more than you were before? How how is it? Um, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I know, obviously, through my work, a lot of people in Arkansas and Kyle. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys basically have been living life as normal basically this whole time, essentially, right? Is that reasonably fair to say yeah i live in a town of eleven thousand people i work in a town of three thousand so and it's out here in the washita mountains and southwest arkansas so you can imagine there is not many masks worn out here it's pretty much (laughs) it's it's uh it's just pretty much back to normal for the most part for i I don't go that route uh i do wear masks i do follow the precautions if you don't whatever that's on you but uh but yeah it's pretty much business as usual yeah, you know, it's wild. Um, you know, what I would say, I do live in L.A. County, which is obviously very the opposite population-wise of where you are, Kyle. But, you know, <laughs> restaurants are open with outdoor seating. Uh, it's still warm enough where we can sit outside. I wish some restrictions were loosened. Um, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm living my life to the best of my ability Uh, I can work a lot from home. I'm very fortunate. I I do miss going to games and practices and, you know, especially around college hoop season, you know, I I am able to travel a little bit more under normal circumstances. Like I said, I was supposed to be in Vegas for uh, Arkansas Louisville. So that's not an LA County thing, but it was a little bit of a bummer. Um, Life is mostly normal. Uh, You know, there's been some, uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek commentary about uh, the California governor's recommendations of uh, how to handle, how to appropriately handle Thanksgiving. You know, all I can say is I do have family coming out. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to abide, you know, to the letter of the law with what I'm supposed to be doing on Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, if the police show up at my door and, and, and knock in my door, then so be it. But 
you know, I'm one of those people, like you said, Kyle, I'm respectful of others. I'm respectful of people who feel differently, but I'm also somebody that feels like you have to live your life. You can't live your life in fear. Um, you know, I've been to Vegas a few times just to get away for a weekend or whatever. Uh, I go into the, the studio to do my radio show every week. And, you know, I largely, you know, I'm not living my life in fear. And if other people feel different, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, at this point, it's crazy because it feels so normal. Um, just kind of used to it at this point. I don't know. You know, my wife's been working from home for nine months now. So, you know, we're just kind of in a routine and all that stuff, but we're doing good. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, the happy hours start a little earlier around the house. I mean, it, we don't have to wait till five o'clock to hit happy hour at the house, but other than that, there's not that much that's really that different. Yeah. Well, guys, if you haven't already, be sure to go subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, some of the best that you'll find out there, especially during basketball season. I know that you did, like you said, you cover college football, but but college hoops is your baby. And so, uh, yeah, make sure make sure that you go uh, subscribe to that. And AT, again, man, we appreciate you, as always, for hopping on. I know it's getting especially busy for you right now and always love talking some Razorback hoops, Hogs hoops, football, whatever it is. Well, if I can add really quick, um, two things. One – uh, I did have Coach Moss on my show last week, and, um, you know, I've known him for years, dating back to his time at Nevada. I think Arkansas fans would love it. I encourage him to check it out. Uh, also, obviously, NBA draft was Wednesday, as you referenced, Kyle. I had Mason Jones on my show in, like, April, but I reran the interview this week on my Tuesday episode, obviously, in the lead-up to the draft. Mason's a great kid. You guys got to know him really well. Um, I wish him the best of luck. I mean, his story of being, you know, 280 pounds or whatever, sitting on the couch playing video games to where he is now, hopefully by the time people listen to this, an NBA draft pick, but certainly has a future in the NBA. I thought it was one of the best interviews that I've ever done. And it's not a credit to me. It's a credit to Mace as a kid. So I encourage people to go check out both those interviews. They were both really fun. But again, I think uh, Arkansas fans are going to be really proud of what Mason Jones does for that program. And, the school and the program and everything the next few years is a great, great, great kid. And you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I know you're on all of them. I don't know if you're, are you on iHeartRadio too? I know you're on just about uh, I mean, all the platforms, but. I don't know if I'm on iHeart. Uh, I do do a radio show on Saturdays that we're on iHeart, obviously. Okay. So okay. Yeah. I and that's, I figured it was probably just about all of them. And of course your, uh, your Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres, you can find all of his information there, where to get the podcast and subscribe, all that stuff. If you have not already, what are you we're doing? If, if you have I don't even, I don't even know where I'm at half the time. So if you tell me I'm there, <laughs> Kyle, I'm just going to take your word for it. Man. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. AT, we appreciate it, man, guys. And this will do it for episode number 140 of the hog talk podcast for Aaron Torres, Porter Hayes. My name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.